Today, we're watching Star Trek The Next Generation, when a visit to a science station by Riker ends in the station's destruction. A legal inquiry begins, but as the holodeck is used to show several different testimonies, it becomes clear that the truth is far more complicated than our pansexual leading man realizes. From February 10th, 1990, it's Season 3, Episode 14, A Matter of Perspective, or... Objection, Your Honor, thirsty ass witness. <laughs> uh, I'm Cam. That's Dan. And I, for one, love a Rashomon reference. <laughs> God, Dan, they used the holodeck and it didn't kill anyone. Yeah, I was like, oh man, it's <laughs> all gonna become real. Uh, Learn your lesson. Although, uh, yeah, using using the holodeck for something other than really elaborate sexual fantasies that never actually get to any fucking. Um, seems like a waste of the technology i'm not gonna lie it seems like a waste i mean you know to each their own but i i actually find it a fascinating yeah i've always found this episode fascinating and not just not just for the rashman reference but the fact that you can use it to recreate someone like you can give your testimony and then like actually make yourself perform it amazing Oh, yeah, it's. If nothing else, it's an ingenious way to use an established trope of the show. And I will give I will give them credit for that. The execution. Was a little it was something leaves something to be desired, but and mostly it's our pansexual eating man. Um... <laughs> and on that note. Here's the fuck we're talking about. Uh, by the way, this is one of my favorite cameos of season three. On Stardate 43610.4, the Enterprise drops Riker and the Forge off on Botanica 4, a research station orbiting Tanuga 4 to check on the progress of the work of Dr. Nell Apgar Salamanca. Played, played beautifully by Mark Margolis. A Tanugan who is working on Krieger Waves, a new promised energy source for the Federation. When the Enterprise returns, Captain Picard is told that Riker stayed behind to have a private meeting with Apgar. And moments later, after Riker sort of transports to the ship, the station explodes, killing Apgar and almost killing Riker due to the explosion disrupting the transporter. Almost. A Tanugan investigator, Craig, played by Craig Richard Nelson, comes aboard to accuse Riker of murder. Under Tanugan law, Riker is guilty until proven innocent. Cause plot. Yeah. And Craig demands Riker's extradition. Picard requests that they hold a hearing aboard the Enterprise to determine Riker's guilt. This involves the use of the holodeck, recreating the events of the station from data logs and from testimony from Riker, Dr. Apgar's wife, Manua, played by Gina Hecht, and research assistant, Tana Julia Donald. I thought they all did great. Yay, screen time. 
In a holodeck recreation, Crag demonstrates that directed energy beam from Riker's location prior to transport struck the Kragger wave converter, destroying it and the station. But his theory is that Riker fired a phaser just before beaming out. Riker presents his case first. In his simulation, it shows Apgar highly agitated with a Federation presence before he is ready for them, and Manua openly flirting with Riker. Manua then makes aggressive passes at Riker in the guest quarters when Apgar walks in on them and attempts to attack Riker, but Riker subdues him. Apgar leaves with Manua, giving Riker a veiled threat. Riker's simulation concludes with his final confrontation, where Apgar tells Riker that he will lodge a formal complaint about Riker's behavior and accuses Riker of potentially damaging the project with his baseless information in Riker's progress report. In Manua's version of the events, she is a doting wife, with her husband promising rich rewards coming from the project. From her point of view, Riker, is one, Riker was the one making the advances, and when they are alone, Riker threatens to rape her when her husband storms in to defend her. But Riker overpowers him and threatens to have the project shut down. During a recess, Riker starts to counsel Troy that he never seduced Manua, and Troy believes him, but tells him that Manua believes the events happened as described, and that it is the truth as each of you remembers it. Tana's testimony is her version of events from Apgar's point of view, as he told her. Picard tries to have the testimony dismissed as hearsay. However, Tanugan Law allows such testimony, so they proceed. In her simulation, when Apgar walks in on Riker and Manua, Apgar is the one who successfully subdues Riker, leaving Riker threatened to kill Apgar. Based on the testimonies presented, Picard is not sure Riker's case is strong enough to avoid extradition. Meanwhile, the crew of the Enterprise find highly focused pulses of an unknown intense radiation striking parts of the ship, putting holes through the bulkhead. Holy shit! LaForge fears what would happen if this should occur inside the warp reactor. The initial assessment is that it is only happening every five hours and four minutes. The single commonality, which upon further examination can soon be traced to this precise time with the wave generator on the surface, which has remained operating after the station's destruction. Picard comes to realize the truth and prepares a new simulation on the holodeck. Crag, Manua, Tana, and Riker all present. Picard demonstrates through a combination of testimonies that Apgar was more interested in potential financial success than not. And his completed wave converter would not get through Federation. And Picard postulates that he in fact was trying to weaponize the project to make more money, thus explaining his hostility. Further, Picard suggests that Apgar has successfully built the converter, and that the holodeck simulation of it also being fully functional has been focusing the energy from the generator on the planet, resulting in damaging radiation experienced on the ship, which LaFord identified as Krager waves. Picard completes his explanation by running a holodeck simulation of the moment Riker's transport. Synchronized with the planet's generator, the holodeck simulation shows that Apgar had aimed the Krager wave generator at Riker, but what the energy beam, when the energy beam struck him, the beam bounced off the transporter field and hit the converter, destroying it and the station. Craig agrees with the conclusion that Apgar accidentally killed himself. Riker is exonerated. And so ends a matter of perspective. Jesus. <laughs> so much plot. I was going to say, if it sounded convoluted coming from Cameron's mouth, just try watching it. It was. It was. But it was fun. It was fun. It was like watching, uh, you know, three episodes of Law and Order, but in the time span of one. Yep. It was. Did you ever see the 
Jet Li movie Hero? I did not. So it uh, it all takes place in China, and it is the same. The they tell the same story three times. What the hero says happens. What the emperor thinks happened, and then what really happened. So, and that's how this this felt. Another another um, Rashomon reference. Yes, another Rashomon reference. They're so um, good. One of my favorite musicals of all time is a Rashomon reference. Which is see what I want to see. Do you see what you want to see? It's a Michael John Lacusa show, and it's actually based on three short stories. One of which Rashomon was originally based on. It might even be called Rashomon. But yeah, it's exceptional. Check it out, everyone. So good. Um, <clears throat> what did you love about this episode, Dan? I loved the music. Right? I don't know if they had a new music supervisor, new music coordinator, producer. I don't know what. But the music, for the most part, just kind of blends together a lot on this show of where it's like the like it's either like melodic strings or trumpets to let you know that it's scary um (laughs) but the music was exceptional uh additionally the visual effects of the space station and the planet and the opening shot wrapping around the side of the enterprise as it comes into view yeah gorgeous not opening shot it was after the painting the painting was the opening shot which was we'll get to the painting um i do like legal procedurals and i i think based on the first two and a half seasons of this show that i've watched i have a feeling that legal procedurals are going to keep coming up because this show has the advantage of interacting with a lot of different cultures and therefore a lot of different legal systems and legal situations. You're which correct. allows it to feel more fresh and interesting than a legal procedural has any right to be. Plus it's in space. In space. <laughs> I enjoyed watching Riker squirm a little bit and not quite getting it. I loved and hated that we never got to the truth of what really happened in the guest quarters. <laughs> they never really resolved that. No, as they didn't. As far as saying, like, well, she made an advance, he made an advance, he won the fight, he won the fight. Like, they didn't they didn't clear any of that up. They just got to the heart of, like, the murder and let the extenuating stuff go. I enjoyed seeing the holodeck used for something useful <laughs> instead of a, a murder trap that they just don't condemn for some reason. It's like, kids need a junkyard to play in. We can't close the junkyard. <laughs> That's how the holodeck always feels. It's like, the sinkhole, but everyone loves the sinkhole. <laughs> Come now. <laughs> if you got rid of every sand trap that swallowed a car, we'd have none left. I enjoy any time Picard gets to play lawyer, which was fun. I also just got to look at my notes because that's fine. It was fine. It was fine. It was a fine episode. It wasn't inspiring. It wasn't amazing. It was fine. It was fine. It was fine. It didn't. I liked the visual effects, the station exploding. I liked, you know, seeing Hector Salamanca uh, pre Breaking Bad 
pre Better Call Saul. I was like, God, he has looked the same for 30 years. Yes. I was I was kind of hoping that right when Riker was about to beam away, he would just start dinging a bell incessantly. <laughs> uh, if only they'd have known. If only they'd have known. Ding, 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 ding. Ugh, what a great character. Face off. Um, what a great show. The uh, the music in this particular episode, Dan, is is created by none other than Ron Jones. How do I know Ron Jones? Oh, from a little show called Family Guy. Really? He is, he is one of the two resident composers that works with Seth MacFarlane regularly on all of the songs, on all of the music, on the theme song. Also... He did uh, Fairly Odd Parents, the theme song, as well as the music for that, which I actually really liked that show. I think it was fairly cleverly done. Uh, you don't have to sell me on Fairly Odd Parents. I'm glad. We just never, we've never talked about it before. I adore Fairly, uh, fairly Odd Parents. Well, fuck. I wish I would have known that. We could have been talking about that this whole time. Philip! <laughs> it's a girl, Nico. <laughs> I've got another idea. Today was a very good day for Cosmo. <laughs> um, he also did, <laughs> he wrote quite a bit of the music on DuckTales and was the conductor. And he did the score for Force Awakens and the 1980s Mission Impossible series, RoboForce. Flintstones 25th anniversary. He's been a very busy guy. Damn. Actually, he did the DuckTales theme song too, the new one. Amazing. Yeah, he's he's a good man to know. But I mean, I knew him mostly from Family Guy. Incredible. Wow. Yeah. Kind of a big deal. Hell of a guy. Hell of a guy. But yeah, um... <laughs> Odd parents, fairly odd parents. That that's sort of like big band and classic full orchestra sound. That's what this had. It felt it felt fuller. Yes. It felt like a real composition instead of just like, I don't know, some fucking horns. <laughs> Wands and wings, floaty crowdy things. Strings, because it's sad. Um I I mean I agree with you. It's this you're right. This episode's fine. It's I, I honestly just get carried away to all of my other favorite Rashomon references, including See What I Want to See. And that's that's what it reminds me of. And I think that's why I enjoy it. It's because it carries me away from what it actually was. Um, I enjoyed that Counselor Troy sat through all of the proceedings. I mean, that's a good use for her. She can tell if people's li- people are lying. <laughs> yeah. That's an exceptional use for her powers. Um, I love the use of the holodeck. I really enjoyed our our dear Jonathan Frakes getting to portray the good guy and the asshole and the super asshole. And I thoroughly enjoyed Craig Richard Nelson's performance. 
he was just so dry and so fucking ridiculous that it just it tickled me in a way that it's never tickled me before. So I liked that. I thought that was swell. Is Rashomon your favorite Kurosawa film? Yes. Is it yours? Everybody says Seven Samurai, so that's that's good. No, I was going to say run. Um, but yeah, <laughs> and that's that's about it. I mean, it's like it's it's fine, but it's also not. Is it exceptional? No. It felt it felt middling. It's fine. It's you know, watching <laughs> and cut. All right, now we're going to do the rapey take <laughs> and action. Gene, what are you doing here? <laughs> uh, <laughs> just felt like I read this script. I felt like coming to set. Ha-cha-cha. <laughs> Get out of here, Gene. <laughs> but it wasn't all Ron Jones' exceptional scoring, was it, Cameron? It definitely was not. What did you hate about this episode? I, uh... As much as I loved this plot device and hearing everyone's individual truth, it just, it was so plotting. After after the first one, I was like, I'm good. I, I don't really need to hear what the wife has to say because I know it's going to be different and opposing and completely opposite. And then I was like, who the fuck is this assistant? Right? And what is up with her hair? That's less a beehive and just like, I don't know, a honeycomb. It's like, it's just a straight up bizarre. Yeah. I mean, it is always interesting how they bring in that perspective of the person who's gone. I, I do love that part, but I was just like, I, I just don't care. I. <sighs> yeah, it wasn't super captivating. I definitely found myself having to refocus. I wanted to check out. I wanted to check out because it felt it. Some episodes feel like a chore. And this was one that felt like a chore. I was like, well, I have to watch it. The other one, I was like, Ooh, a Q episode. Like I was excited to watch that. And as it went on, I was like, this is fun. This is good time. This one, the longer it went on, the more I was like, how many minutes are left? <laughs> to be it's, fair, it was written by Ed Zuckerman. I, I've never heard that name before. And if you click on his name in any of the sources, nothing comes up. Well, take that as you will. I, I'm not going to knock somebody. It's a serviceable episode of television. It's, it's, you know, he, he's a, he's still around. He's producing. He did law. Yeah. Uh, he went on to law and order, special victims. Unit. Uh, there we go. Blue bloods, law and order, law and order. I'm not criminal intent. I was going to oh, say, I'm... Cameron, this guy was on JAG for two years. Ah. Yeah. Like, like he's said, very Law and Order UK. Take it he's, as you He's will. played in the I'm Dick not... Wolf sandbox a lot. He he definitely found his niche then. I'm, I'm not saying yeah. it's a bad episode. I'm just saying it was the only thing that he wrote for Star Trek. And yes, it was def. This is definitely like a guest writer one off script kind of thing. 
and they brought in somebody who does procedurals to do a procedural. Fine. Whatever. Uh, I, I think that this episode started and I knew we were in trouble because, Cameron, there is no circumstance in which the commander of a vessel should be recreationally seeing a member of his crew naked. I don't care that it's an art class. That just doesn't sit right. That's weird. I kept waiting for it to be like, for him to go, end program. But no, those were like actual people on the crew that he's in an art class with. And that was just, I know off-duty hours that he's just one of the people, but that's still, there's a weird power dynamic aspect to it that just made me really uncomfortable. I'm like, that's like the dean of a college deciding to audit a class a life and one class. of the students is a is a model and i'm like that's it's just i don't like that that's fair i mean that's something i honestly never thought about before um what stands out i mean that scene is what stands out the most to me, to me in this episode and it's like i i'm fine with the scene the scene was fine i like i make sense actually Great. i oh yeah I just, it always just makes me feel weird. And it, I mean, it always has. Just him being put, I know it was supposed to be humbling and kind of supposed to be a har-har, like the captain can't paint, but it just, it makes me really sad when like his dear friend puts him down so harshly about creative self-expression. It just, it's, it always makes me sad. Mm-hmm. Always. If that's some veiled criticism of me, I won't hear it. That is not veiled I criticism won't of respond you. I don't even give you the opportunity. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's not. It's just it's it's weird. It's weird. I, <laughs> it's just weird. I I personally thought that the painting was fascinating, and it, it was a little bit Picasso esque. But who cares? Who cares? Yeah. You know what I thought until Data started chiming in? I was like, huh, I would like to try painting, if only for its meditative qualities of like taking your time and just experiencing the direct interaction with a medium. Like that's interesting to me. You the immediate tactile, this is what I'm doing artistically sensation. That's I that it got me thinking about painting. And then I was like, oh yeah. You were at my Bob Ross birthday party. I know, and mine was atrocious. Well, it was your first time ever oil painting. What did you expect? Also, we didn't quite get the mix right until after. So that's true. You know, and also several people got bed bugs at that birthday party because the people who lived in that empty apartment prior had bed bugs. Ugh. Yeah, I try not to think about that part. Gross. Fun party though. It was a fun got party. Real drunk. Welcome to New York City. <laughs> Bed bugs worse than herpes? Find out tonight at eleven. <laughs> yes. The other thing that really um, I just didn't care for in this episode was like, lady, your husband's dead. Who are you? Who are you protecting? So either we have to accept that Riker's a rapist or she's lying, which I don't love. That either of those. that's even really floated, but like, husband's dead. 
There's no one to protect. There's no assets at stake. Like there's no there's no reason to lie, unless you want to hurt Riker because you think maybe he did kill your husband, which is an understandable motive. But also, like husband's dead. Who cares? Yeah. Any of the other motivations she has are gross and not that just should not be explored. Yeah. So it's it's the episode's not bad but it's not it's not one i'm gonna ever want to rewatch. like if this was on i would be like eh, okay there's no there's no point yeah no it doesn't do anything for canon or do anything for characters or stand on its own right like the last episode does not push canon forward in some massive way it doesn't do some massive reveal it doesn't even like make the characters much richer ex- with the exception of beverly crusher getting to be just like a little bit of a bitch and the amazing guy named moment. <laughs> and but, data getting to laugh. Yes. But it's just, like I say, it's just like a great game of a specific sport. Like all the fundamentals are there and they're working really well. This is like an off-season scrimmage. I mean, technically it's fine, but it's nothing that you're going to remember or write home about. It's just, it's just there. Except for scenes that make you feel weird, like the painting one. Because I do. I unfortunately remember it vividly. And more often than not, I would like to not. Words. Hard. Math. Meth. Um, That's the perfect segue into quotes. (laughs) (laughs) I would be honored if you would do me the honor of the Justice of Presence to give me your chief, Miles O'Brien. Transporter room to bridge. He's a bard. Why do you sound so surprised, Mr. O'Brien? Well, for a moment. You aren't sure you left the space station in time. In time for what? It just exploded, sir. Holy fucking shitballs. <laughs> All right, give me that Wesley Crusher. It wasn't the commander's phaser. It couldn't have been. There's another answer. We're just not seeing it. <laughs> Very helpful. You mocking me? <laughs> Interesting. Oh, thank you. In what way? While suggesting the free treatment of form usually ascribed to fauvism, this quite inappropriately attempts to juxtapose the disparate cubist styles of Picasso and Leger. In addition, the use of color suggests a haphazard melange of clashing styles. Furthermore, the unsettling overtones of proto-Vulcan influences. Thank you. Mr. Data. You you are welcome, sir. If I could be of further assistance. No. Thank you. We can't both be telling the truth. It is the truth, as each of you remembers it. Her version puts a noose around my neck. I must apologize for my husband's lack of social graces. He may be one of the great scientific minds in the galaxy, but he does come up a bit short in other areas. He will be given a chance to prove his innocence. Investigator, in our system of jurisprudence, a man is innocent until proven guilty. In ours, he is guilty until he is proved innocent, and you are under our jurisdiction. And that's it. There's two more rapey Riker lines, and that's all that's listed on IMDb. That's all people took the effort or care to type up and vote on. It's true. That should tell you something, because Trekkies are a dedicated group. The previous episode, we left off 10 or 15 different exchanges, because there were so many. 
this is this is our shortest quote section ever <laughs> pretty much pretty much ever Uh, well, that was something. Uh, well, Cameron. Yes, Dan. How many Kruger waves would you give this? <laughs> Ooh, Kruger Krager? waves. <laughs> Krager? Kruger? Krager. Krieger. Cameron, how many Krager waves would you give this? I. Krieger? Krieger. Krieger. Kruger. Krogauer. <laughs> Krogauer. Kellogg. Kellogg waves. <laughs> how many microwaves would you give this, Daniel? Like 2.25. That's what I was thinking. Just like that. Slightly below average. It was fine. I'm not mad I watched it, but I'm not happy. No. No. I mean, if I'm being honest, the only reason I ever watched this episode is to get from Deja Q to Yesterday's Enterprise. Yesterday's Enterprise. (laughs) Which is exactly what's coming up next week, so be sure to tune in. Oh, God, I'm so excited. Well, I'll get excited, too. I rewatched it just for fun the other day. Aw. Well, for this one, we've loved it, hated it, quoted it, and rated it. And that just leaves one last thing to do. And that's for me to wish you all to not just have a great week, but to make it so. And for Dan to say... Keep on trekking. Trekking it, trekking it, trekking it, trekking it, trekking it, trekking it. This show is a well-oiled machine. It is a well-oiled machine. We're getting pretty good at it. Yeah, right? It's like a sexy, gelatinous, copulating Star Trek machine. <laughs> Just like a... It's like a, it's like a fucking jello A deliciously <laughs> homoerotic, but in a way that everyone's intrigued. They just want to see what's happening. Yeah, you know. <laughs> and I mean everyone. Everyone's either jealous or <laughs> just wants to know. Wanting to tag in. <laughs> Life is like a hurricane here in Duckburg. He's got lasers, airplanes. It's a duck blur. Might solve a mystery. Or rewrite history. DuckTales, woo! A Secret Weapon Production.